up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheen. I am here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, we got the Oscars coming up, dude. They snuck up on me this year. They snuck up on me too. We didn't plug that they were coming up <laughs> yeah. last week. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking crazy. I think because of the delay with the Olympics, it was like, oh, we got plenty of time. And then February's over in like one. I don't even, even though the Super Bowl feels like it was ages ago. Still felt like a quick month. I know. I, I feel like the Patriots lost, and ever since then, life is just a very slow march towards death. But we're going to move away from the, the depressing part of the podcast. Damn right. If you want to follow along with us this this Sunday as we watch the Oscars, follow us at Nostalgia Pod. We'll be live tweeting the event. If you subscribe to our channel, we will also be recording directly after the Oscars. Uh, and if anything changes with that, you can follow our Twitter and we'll let you know. But that's our plan as of the moment. So... Subscribe on YouTube, follow on SoundCloud, iTunes. You want to make sure you get all the best Oscars hashtag content you can. You know, I want to start with something I saw on Twitter last night. I'm going to tell a little story. I want to see your reaction. SpongeBob SquarePants, 12 seasons in, ending March 1st. Oh, it's ending. No, it was a hoax. It got me. I was so upset. <laughs> I went on YouTube, started watching all my favorite Patrick Star clips. It really got me. And then I saw this afternoon that that was just a prank. But a lot of people on my t- timeline tweeting about it made me wonder, what is your favorite SpongeBob joke? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, it's such a meme factory these days. Putting me on the spot, it's tough. Uh, I don't know. I mean, on any of their older episodes, there's so much gold there, you know? Yeah, I, it was funny because I, I went back to watch Patrick Star specifically. I, I feel like when I think about SpongeBob, his moments seem to stick out to me the most. The firmly grasp it when Squidward's yes. <laughs> in the full body cast, one of my favorites. Also, when he's uh, manning the phones at the Krusty Krab. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, it's Patrick. No, like, this is Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking great yeah i was sad about it but they're actually signed on through may so 26 more spongebob episodes to come maybe another year who knows but hopefully we continue to get that more of that yellow content since 1999 yeah crazy it was a real staple of my like late childhood cartoon watching really carried nickelodeon post the 90s nicktoons era yeah rugrats doug all those shows ended hey arnold all those but spongebob was a, a fucking staple for to this day honestly it's probably the most pop, one of the most popular dependable shows still were you a nick kid or cartoon network both yeah. both what i wasn't was a disney channel kid no. i did not watch the disney channel yeah i ended up watching high school musical yesterday because julianne wanted to and she was like you've never seen this and i was like efron dog yeah that early efron and now he's in another musical that's been killing the game. The Greatest Showman. Who knew? The second best box office multiplier of all time behind Titanic. Insane. The Greatest Showman is an insane success. It's quite the story. And we're going to be talking about if that might nab a technical Oscar by chance later on. But we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. So music news. We went and saw a movie this weekend. And then we're going to be giving you our, our predictions for the 90th Oscars. Your girl Janelle Monet, Big Boy's Discovery back in... The mid 2000s, maybe 2007, he discovered her. That's about right. Yeah. Just uh, announced that she'll have a new album coming out in April, April 27th, called Dirty Computer. She said she's been having the, the concept for this album in the works since before she dropped her first album in 2010, The Arch Android. She dropped two singles, Django Jane and Make Me Feel, this past what, Thursday? Hot, on a scale of zero to hyped, how hyped are you? Dude, I'm so fucking hyped. Those <laughs> songs are great. So the good. songs are so good. <laughs> and on Django Jane, it's just the most this braggadocious song. Like, I'm the shit. I'm super talented. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Here are the fucking receipts. Something about Gemini and then box office numbers, man, they're doing outstanding. Because she was in Moonlight and Hidden Figures. Yep. 
all this great music that she's made so far, which is so Prince influenced, so David Bowie influenced, and good in its own right. She's such a queen. I'm so excited. I mean, first album in five years. Yeah, I was so pissed when I found out she was dropping an album. That was my initial reaction because I was like, it seems like such an obvious choice for like our prediction episode and somehow i just totally overlooked her yes and i went back and i was listening to some of her older stuff today she's so experimental and such a a unique artist right now that i can only uh, be excited to see what dirty computer is gonna be april might have the the best album of the year again if you remember uh, damn dropped what early april very excited for a girl to know monet also means she'll be on the uh, touring circuit which i is she on is she on festival lineups no don't believe she is. Check her. Uh, I would almost guarantee you're going to see her at the Meadows this year if you go. Oh, that's a good call. Good call. Excited for that. Also, I was surprised that I listened to this album. Was not expecting it. But your boy, Tokyo, T-O-W-K-I-O, dropped his first, what is it, first feature album or first full-length album? I mean, fuck, it's his first anything. He has a, like a, the only thing he has to his name is an official EP, hmm. you know? First mixtape, first album, first whatever, yeah. Uh, www. And uh, he had some crazy stunt for this, right? He went up in a weather balloon into uh, into space, not even into like you know low atmosphere. He was fucking in space, and then they he dropped back down. And he dropped the album. Very cool video. You could tell for a second he was like, "Fuck, like am I about to lose my shit?" And then he, he got his composure. It was pretty cool. <laughs> there's ways to make yourself blow up, and then there's ways to get attention. And I, I actually really like this. You know, such a ballsy, out of left field thing to do. You might not know the name Tokyo, but I'm sure most people listening have heard him before because he's on Chance the Rapper's coloring book. He's featured on Juke Jam with Justin Bieber. He also has a great song with Chance called Heaven Only Knows, a song called Clean Up. He's got some songs with Vic Mensa, and Vic's on this new project, of course, but he's been one of those under-hyped-up Chicago guys, of which there's so many. But this is great to see him finally come out with a official project because i think it's actually quite good what'd you think of it the chicago influence was noticeable not in a bad way though you know when i was listening to this the first thing i thought was a lot of these songs sound like they could be chance songs or at least like something that chance would would hop on it's a very interesting album because it's poppy rap and it's very catchy at times but it's also experimental like he has like you know like those like fun almost like childish sounding songs like Chance had uh, for some of his more recent stuff. And then he goes like a, like a full orchestra for another song. He does a project with SZA. He does one with Vic and they all sound unique in their own way, but it, it still flows together. I thought for someone that I was not expecting to listen to and somebody that I did not have high hopes for when I went to go listen, that I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Hell yeah. I like hate the love. One of the last songs, mm-hmm. got a nice chorus there. Symphony at the beginning I liked, Hot Shit, Forever. Mm-hmm. Definitely some uh, nice album cuts there, for sure. I think Forever is the one, Vic. That was good. Yeah, I really like the Forever. Even Hot Shit, which is just like very like braggadocious song, was a lot of fun and definitely catchy. Definitely check out Tokyo's album. It might be one of the biggest surprises of the year to, to date. The Him and probably Rich Paul. Rich Brian. Rich Brian. <laughs> Rich LeBron James' agent. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, if, if he dropped something, I'm sure that'd be that hot fire, too. Clutch. <laughs> something I expected to like a lot and was, it lived up to my expectations, I gotta say. Annihilation. Alex Garland's fourth film? Third? Well, second directorial film, and then fourth that he's right. written or produced. Yeah, I mean, he wrote 28 Days Later. He wrote The Beach, which was based off a novel he wrote. Mm-hmm. He wrote Dread. Yep. But yeah, Ex Machina in 2015. And then immediate follow-up, Annihilation are his most two most recent uh, directorial 
efforts. Oscar winning Ex Machina. That's right. You called that. Yes, I did. That was episode one of Nostalgia. Check it out. For all those OG Nostalgia fans that remember that, shout out to you. Also created probably my favorite gift that we used ever tweeting from the pod with uh, Oscar Isaac dancing with that Asian robot. I can't remember what it is. So yeah, Annihilation based off of James Vandermeer's novel of the same name. Jeff. Jeff. Jeff Vandermeer. Jeez, I'm whiffing on all the first names today. What did you think? Did this live up to your expectations? Were you surprised? Were you disappointed? How did you feel leaving the theater? That That's the right question. How did you feel? I think it's tough to, this is a movie that's hard to talk about because the themes are so psychological, mm-hmm. so complex, but it's a movie that I've continued to think about since I saw it on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a common sentiment I'm getting from a lot of people that like the movie. It's interesting because 86% Ron Tomatoes, what we come to expect from Alex Garland, well-received, 116 positive reviews and 19 negative, very good. But only a C cinema score, which kind of goes along with the poor test screenings that scared off Paramount into selling the international rights to this movie to Netflix. Uh, so it seems to be hitting with some people really well, and then other people it's missing with. I mean, you know, it's not super action-packed. I don't think it ever marketed itself to be that. I mean, you know, I mean, it's not Star Wars. It's more of a more methodical sci-fi, and maybe it's a little slow in the beginning, I guess. I, I'm, I'm not sure what people didn't like about it if they because no one saw this movie it only made 11 million dollars in the box office that's fourth place i mean heck it only opened in like 2,000 theaters that's half of what black panther opened with the people that were seeing this movie i thought they kind of knew what to expect so i'm very surprised that it's getting kind of a middling reception among the, the audience but in terms of what i thought i mean I, again I, I loved it and i it's tough to put into words but i've been thinking about it a lot what about you? You summed up, I think, my process with it. A lot of times after I see a movie, especially if I know other people that will be seeing it, I'll text them after just to kind of like feel them out, see what they like, what they didn't like, see if it matches up with where I was at. For this movie, it was Sean McKenna, friend of the pod. And he left and he was like, yeah, it was pretty good. And I was like, we, we talked about it for a while. And then he wo- when he woke up this morning, he's like, I can't stop thinking about Annihilation. And I was like, yes, like that that's what makes this movie good. And I actually think that's probably what is at the detriment of the movie for general audiences is that it's a movie that is very ambiguous. It's a movie that challenges you to figure it out and doesn't just spell it out for you. And it takes a lot of risks, I think, in, in the storytelling and the structure of the movie that it's kind of like interpret this the way you want. But because it's not spelling it out for you and it leaves a lot up to interpretation it kind of leaves you with a feeling like was that good i don't even know what i really just watched or what i came away with there which i think for more intellectual movie fans is a good thing but for people that are just going to go and enjoy the weekend or just try to have a nice sunday out it doesn't really fit for that I mean, even if you're dissatisfied with the a to z of the narrative it still has a lot of great performances stacked cast as we knew and beautiful cinematography lots of great colors so I think even if you're not totally satisfied with what actually happens on screen, it's wonderful to watch happen. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. So uh, we should probably just give a little bit of context to it and try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible. It's Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Again, no one saw it. Right, <laughs> no one saw it, and also it's, it's a movie that's kind of hard to explain anyway. But basically, Natalie Portman, the lead of this movie... Lena. Yeah, playing Lena, gets pulled into this group of female soldiers, or I guess just... They're all kinds of scientists. Yeah, professionals in a way. Paramedics, etc. And they're going to go into this like alien compromised area called the Shimmer, where they basically go through this otherworldly force field. Yeah, blob (laughs) force field, whatever it is. And within it, 
they've sent all these army teams and no one has come back. They've lost all communications with them. No one knows what's going on. Until someone does come back. And the person that comes back is your man, Oscar Isaac. Doesn't seem to be himself. And you, you know that because he was married to Lena in the movie. Again, Natalie Portman's character. And Natalie Portman's trying to figure out what happened. It's hard to really explain much more without giving a lot away. But I think there's enough there to kind of dissect. How did you feel about their relationship, first of all? Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac on screen. Did, did you buy their relationship? Oh, I bought it. I think that's the, the narrative structure of the film. If you're going to poke holes in it, I think the reliance on that relationship mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie could be something you could uh, poke holes in because it's so important it's so present from what i've gathered i haven't read jeff vandermeer's first book in this trilogy that this, this movie's based off annihilation but apparently garland took a lot of liberties with the storytelling they kind of tease some stuff that was in the book that the movie doesn't get to you remember the very beginning when they set up camp none of them remember mm-hmm. setting up said camp they kind of just drop that plot line right they kind of leave it there i guess the relationship wasn't the total package in the, in the novel again very hard to talk about this kind of stuff but i think the psychological aspects of the film and the way the end ending i thought was uh, spectacular and it kind of i think i thought it all brought it back together yeah the relationship well, again we're not spoiling anything i would agree i think it was weird because it, it was almost like dunkirky in a way not that there were other timelines but like the way it kind of jumped around flashbacks back to the future not knowing in what order the flashbacks are coming because obviously at some points they show the relationship very happy and at other points not necessarily in the best place it kind of left you i think at times being like what's actually going on with this relationship and also i think the stuff with the other person who she works with added into it was a little bit maybe missed the mark here for me but overall yeah. i thought that their relationship was pretty cool kind of one side note for both oscar isaac and natalie portman in this i thought they were both wonderful natalie portman is obviously a class act and oscar isaac's one of the best working actors we have but both of their accents i found very like intriguing at times <laughs> i felt like natalie portman was falling back into her jackie o a little bit she'd be like <laughs> she would say something like oh you these can't be from the same species, but they are. And I was like, are you about to like... <laughs> it's refracting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Oscar Isaac just jumping in and out of his like Southern accent at just like random points. That's true. Yeah, I did notice the Southern accent now that you say it. Shout out the whole cast, honestly. Yeah, Tessa Thompson with, uh, I think, probably my favorite performance because it was like she did the most with probably the least actually exactly she showed her range a lot in this role to be honest you know we've always known she was good but she did stuff she hasn't done before in this and uh gina rodriguez i think is the other person that people are left really talking about jennifer jason lee is just uh, unbelievable the last time i think i saw her in a movie was hateful eight so to see her go from playing that character to this was such a oh yeah a shift <laughs> what did you feel like were the parts about this movie that people can really look at and say ah eh, that wasn't so great or ah oh, that didn't really fit for me. well I, it's hard to explain what exactly the message is mm-hmm. the whole pretext of going from area x to the shimmer to find out what happened those answers aren't really what the movie's about right. and i think that's something that some people just can't grapple with some people just really want the plot to be what they they thought the plot was going to be the whole time i really think that's what it is just thematically it's not what people expect it's kind of like a mother darren aronofsky's movie last mm. year i mean that got f cinema score but that was mainly not because the movie was trash so much as it was just not what people thought they were going to see and i think for somehow this not popular movie a large chunk of people didn't get what they thought they were getting 
I mean, I, I agree with that. I, I think there were, were parts that necessarily didn't land. I think the final scene, people are pretty uh, either way on. Some people were really kind of taken out of the movie by it, and some people thought it was really wonderful. I know that you liked that part a lot. It's like Ex Machina's last scene, you yeah. know? You didn't really need it. No, I, I agree, but I also almost feel like it continues to add to the mystery. I think the part in the white in the lighthouse could hit for some people and not hit for others, even though I thought it was really like a amazing accomplishment of CGI. Like the way, you know, not to spoil anything, but what, what she sees in the like that like vi- uh, creature or whatever it is, it's almost like it's pulling you in, like the way it was moving. It was pretty amazing. I agree. I think not being able to really explain what the movie's about makes it kind of tough for people. To go back to my conversation with Sean, my first question I asked him when he said it was pretty good is, what was the movie about to you? And he was like, I don't know. <laughs> he literally was like, and then he gave me a couple of answers, but he... He was even kind of left like, I don't really know what they were trying to get across. I think there's a couple different messages in there. So that, that makes it tough. Also, it was very thrilling and scary at times. Oh, which... yeah. <laughs> Shout out the bear dog. Yeah. Oh. Like, that was like the most intense scene. I, I can Terrifying. Remember. That and the, the camcorder video of Oscar Isaac just like left me with like such weird feelings in my stomach. Yep. Yep. Do you think that this will be the most underrated movie of 2018 most underrated no because it's critically well regarded underwatch sure i mean this could be like good time you know this actually grows more than good time already but yeah it'll be underwatched but i mean the critics are telling you it's good and worth caring about the internet is propping the movie up so it's tough to really say it's under the radar actually maybe you know this question do you think that it'll be a release on netflix sooner because they're getting the international rights internationally yes okay but it's gonna be on netflix not for us it'll it'll be different because paramount kept the domestic release gotcha what did you think of the score oh i like the score a lot especially at the end i mean i'm kind of a sucker for like big scores like that i know some people will point to interstellar as a movie that uses its score to try and convey emotion Mm -hmm. and maybe in a cheap manner it's kind of a similar use of this like a big score during the climax of the film but yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, I agree. It was like piercing almost, that, that especially that final one. I didn't write this down, but they did kind of take the score from somewhere else and made it their own for that final scene. So shout out to whoever they, they took that from. But Ben Salisbury and, and Geoff Barrow, or Jeff Barrow, were phenomenal in that part. Any last thoughts on Annihilation before we jump to the 90th Oscars? Do you think we'll see any of this stuff in the 91st Oscars? Any nominations for this movie? Technical. Tough to say against early in the year. Maybe some technical awards. I would not be surprised. Let's put it that way. But we have to see what else comes out first. Only so many movies you can nominate. One last thing I think we need to at least acknowledge is that uh, there's a bit of a whitewashing accusation aspect to Annihilation. Evidently, Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Lee's characters are not actually white women in the books. But that's not actually told to the reader until book two. Mm. And Garland apparently was developing the script off the first book a while ago, since before book two was even out. His, his honest excuse was that he hadn't read the second book. He wasn't aware. And they don't actually express that in the first book. And I guess, you know, I think that, that's, a, that's, a, that's fine. I don't think you need to drag Garland for anything. If anything, maybe Paramount should have checked that just to be safe. I, mean, I don't think this is as egregious as a ghost in the shell for example. Yeah, I, well, because the Ghost in the Shell, you knew where that was coming from. I think the fact that he was just unaware makes this a little bit less egregious. Do you have any actresses that you would have liked to see, like any colored actresses that you'd like to see played Natalie? I know, I'm, put, I'm putting you on the spot there. 
It is tough. I mean, I would I would have said Tessa Thompson. She's kind of the it it girl yeah. for African American actresses. Uh, that, I don't know. I, I think because it needs to be like a star. You know, I don't know. It's a tough, tough, tough question. I mean, apparently Jennifer Jason Lee's role was actually a Native American woman. Hmm. And I, I'm not. I don't really know any Native American actresses offhand, but I'm sure there's. I mean, obviously, there's great choices to be had. Maybe Lupita yeah. Nyong'o, high off their Black would, Panther stock. Yeah, I would have loved. Plenty that. of good choices, no doubt. I, I just I don't think this is as big of a deal given the circumstances. But you know, moving forward, I think people will probably be more careful because they'll see how this came out. Yeah, I think, and also just to, before we wrap up, I think a piece that maybe was a little underdeveloped in the movie and probably could have used some more time, especially because with the climate of Hollywood right now, the fact that there's a pretty much a female dominated cast and they really spent a little time dissecting what that meant for the team in the movie. I mean, there were definitely parts, but I think that they could have gone more into what it, like those dynamics and why that kind of was different from the other teams that had gone in. But maybe in like a director's cut, they have some things for that. Who knows? But let's jump to some Oscar predictions here before we wrap up today. 90th Oscars hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, fresh off probably the biggest Oscar fiasco of all time last year with the Moonlight La La Land best picture mix up where do you want to start with this i'll let you take the lead on uh, the prediction part before we begin just remember we did our nominations reactions back when they came out a few months ago so check that out soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod the breakouts on youtube so Stay any, any snubs you're still holding on to we talked about those then so we're just going to really talk about what movies were, are actually nominated today and you know before we get into it I, we've hyped up the oscars ever since we started the podcast and they are the most important award show that there is the grammys recently happened we talk about why the grammys don't matter because the people that are supposed to be happy about winning grammys often don't give a shit like drake and justin bieber and Mm -hmm. frank ocean for example but the oscars is a celebration of movies by the people that make movies the actors the writers the producers the directors and because they give such a shit about it that's why i like giving a shit about it because I like movies, obviously, so do you, mm-hmm. and I like what they think about, you know, other movies. I, I've never quite understood why, like, people, oh, well, the Oscars, this, the Oscars, that. I'm like, it's the artists. I thought we like artists. Yeah. So I, I never quite understood the hate towards it. It's, it's still pageantry, of course. It's still patting people on the back. But I think at the end of the day, celebrating good films and the Oscars help ra- raise the profile and get more people to watch said films, which helps everyone involved. I don't really see much of a negative there. And even if the ratings do decline this year, the Oscars will still be the most watched non-sporting event of the year. Just to keep it in perspective. That's you know? crazy. Uh, even if it's down slightly, it's still 30 million people. It's fucking a lot. Right. So people give a shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, before you go, I think like the one thing I hear a lot about the Oscars is these movies often aren't the movies that most people go to see that these are like the artsy films and it, that, that's a valid critique i think but it's also kind of like are we going to give like the best pop albums like Katy perry or like one direction uh, you know awards are we gonna actually take what's like the best artistic stuff and that, that's what the oscars is focusing on exactly i mean you're advocating for participation medals right you know because things make money and to that point, I think there's a big there's a big shift in the Oscars around 2009. That's when the Best Picture field was uh, extended to uh, ten movies, and then it was recently brought back to, from five to ten, somewhere in between. This year we have nine, and that was done after The Dark Knight was not nominated for Best Picture, yeah. and also Wally that year as well. And you know, the immediately following uh, 08 and so 09, you saw Avatar nominated for Best Picture. You saw District Nine in there. Mm-hmm. 
it, it was it was quite the diverse group. Since then, we've kind of pulled back actually. With the expanded field, the overall grosses of the movies have actually gone down, which may have in the ratings have gone down as well. Whether you want to draw that causation together or not, I think it's a bit of a false equivalency, but the evidence is there. Anyway, like you said, it's not the most popular movies, but I think it's the movies that should be celebrated. Would it have been cool for Wonder Woman to get a Best Picture in Logan? Absolutely. Even Last Jedi, right? I don't think it's a slight against those great movies that everyone saw. No. Well, and it's kind of like, you know, when you listen to music, you have pop artists that you just enjoy listening to, but you realize... I like this because it, it has like a formula to it and I and you know it's kind of like superhero movies or Star Wars movies but then the the albums that you really go back and you appreciate are the ones that make you think the ones that make you feel things the ones that really intrigue you right. and those are the ones that I think we should be celebrating and saying this is doing something different this is taking chances this is what the art form is supposed to be whereas the other ones are just enjoyable and that's there's nothing wrong with that movies and and art in general has different lanes and this is kind of focusing more on quality over I don't know, just enjoyability or something. Right. And to take that thinking and bring it to this year, 2018, celebrating the 2017 movie year, obviously the Me Too movement is important. Mm -hmm. Politically charged times, race relations, there's a lot going on. Yep. And uh, 25% of the Academy has joined since 2014. So it's not super predictable to figure out their voting patterns. There are still some trends that I'll get to as we go through that I still think will hold true. But overall, it's a newer academy than it's been in the past, which is great, obviously. It's more diverse. It's not the you know, Oscars so white academy that blew up a few years ago. Mm-hmm. That being said, this is an interesting Oscars because I think Best Picture is something that's a race that's wide open, whereas the four acting roles are pretty much all locked. And this whole race is really going to be built around Shape of Water versus Three Billboards right. outside of Missouri. Those are the two best picture contenders and how the technical uh, awards shape up throughout the early part of the evening could be our predictor in figuring out who actually will win best picture and to that effect there's 10 technical awards and shape of water will probably split them with dunkirk more or less that's kind of how it's gonna go Uh, i could actually see baby driver taking home maybe one or two of those and that's the thing so baby driver is nominated for film editing and sound editing and sound mixing and I actually think that Baby Driver has the inside track on all those awards over Shape of Water. It's just a matter of whether Dunkirk wins it or Baby Driver gets it. Because, I mean, film editing the past three years was won by Hacksaw Ridge, Mad Max Fury Road, and Whiplash. Hmm. Not Best Picture winners. So I don't think it's outlandish to say Baby Driver's in the mix. It very much is. But yeah, I mean, where do you want to? Yeah, well, I, I think maybe we should go through what the uh, what the Best Picture nominees are and then jump off there as we think there might be a winner from that category. They might take something home. I have down here the Best Picture nominees are Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I kind of want to start with Dunkirk because we, we had already kind of been talking about it. Christopher Nolan has never won Best Director. I don't see him winning this, but I think that there's an outside shot at it. I think it's either going to be Dunkirk wins a lot of awards or it gets maybe one or two technicals. I don't see it being much in the middle. What do you think? Guillermo del Toro is the heavy, heavy favorite for Best Director. He won the Director's Guild Award and 21 the last 25 DGA winners have won. He's been winning all year, more or less. And the key thing to remember here is Martin McDonough, the director of Three Billboards, was not nominated. So... With his assumingly main competition not being in the mix, it's Del Toro's award to lose. 
And while there's going to be support for Paul Thomas Anderson, again, the six nominations Phantom Thread got was very surprising. We talked about that again when, when this happened. So whether PTA jumps over Nolan doesn't really matter because I think Del Toro is going to win it. But yeah, I don't think Nolan or PTA for that matter will win their first best director. Yeah, it's, it's too bad, too, because it's kind of crazy that they've made so many really great movies and then they're going to lose to Del Toro for a movie that, I mean, Shape of Water was good, but when we think about best movies of the year, it's not my top ones. I think I think we talked about it further near the... Wasn't in my top ten. So I think that that's too bad, especially because Dunkirk and Phantom Thread are such wonderful accomplishments in different ways. But yeah, Del Toro, the heavy favorite. Nolan is who I hope brings it home, but I would love it if Jordan Peele was like the, the dark horse and somehow got that. Yeah. I don't think Jordan Peele has any chance of this no. at director, but probably will win for original screenplay. He yep. wrote the screenplay, so it's a win for him anyway. For original screenplay is The Big Sick, no chance. Get Out, Lady Bird, The Shape of Water, and Free Billboards. And that's an early award to watch because if Get Out wins, it'll actually be kind of a big deal because the Oscars won't tip their hand to who wins Best Picture because if Shape of Water and Free Billboards both don't win it, an obvious uh, sign, you know, the, a writing award not going to the Best Picture winner, uh, you know, it would kind of spoil it for us. I mean, to that effect, Get Out did win the Writers Guild Award, but Three Billboards was ineligible for, uh, I think, union reasons or whatever. Hmm. On the other hand, every Best Picture winner, besides the artist in 2011, has won a screenplay Oscar since 05. Wow. That's a pretty damning track record. So if Get Out was to win this award, and I actually do think there's a really good chance, it is my pick to happen mm-hmm. but if that is to happen again we're going to have a, a pretty a pretty crazy night because you know that's pretty damning evidence the a, a screenplay oscar always goes to the best picture winner yeah i, I hope get out wins just because though i don't think it's going to win best picture and i don't think peel's going to win best director i want to see get out win a lot of awards you know especially with the backlash was a two years ago with oscar so white the accomplishment of a first-time director writing his first major movie i probably I think it's probably his first screenplay ever at least in, for a larger movie like this to create such a intriguing and smart movie just uh i think he should be celebrated but i wouldn't hate it if greta gerwig also came away from this category with a win get out i think there's some like rumbling oh maybe get out can sneak in for best picture with the three billboard shape of water fight canceling each other out because again preferential ballot so you rank your picks so yep. second place votes can help you win rick porcello won the cy young this way <laughs> hell yeah horrible but unfortunately no film has won best picture without a best editing nomination since 1980 and get out does not have a best editing nomination hmm. so no. unfortunately i don't think get out has enough support yeah but again, this is a new new academy, more or less. Crazy year. Anything could happen. But yeah, I think Get Out probably only gets original screenplay. It's probably gonna go one for. Uh, I have yeah, Ka- one for three. I have Kaluuya as as my outside pick for best actor. Really? I I think it. I think it's clearly Oldman and Chalamet, and I, I'd be very surprised. But if one of them, if they don't win it, I think it's gonna go to Kaluuya. Even with Daniel Day Lewis there. Yes, because uh, I I don't think this was a role that. I don't think Daniel Day-Lewis's role was one that um, people really look and say, oh, that was one of the greatest Daniel Day-Lewis performances, even though it's up there. But, I mean, after he played Lincoln and he won for that, and he's won three already, I don't I don't see him getting a lifetime achievement number four. Yeah, I don't think Cooley's going to get it. But it'd be crazy. Again, it's you can't rule much out. I would just love to see what the voting totals are. Like, just just show yeah. me what, what the... Oh, yeah. How close That'd it was. That'd be great stuff to find out. 
Yeah, especially because you get the breakdowns of like the actors are the biggest voting body, the directors, mm-hmm. and they are very high on three billboards. Three billboards won with the SAGs, but Shape of Water won at the Producers Guild and Directors Guild. So producers and directors are more in Shape of Water's camp, but the actors, which is the biggest group, are in three billboards camp. So seeing how those groups break down across all the categories would be fascinating just to put your finger on the pulse of how various members of Hollywood think about all the nominees that we've talked about so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go through the best picture names. You, we've already gone through Get Out. Call Me By Your Name probably only is going to win one award, which would be Adapted Screenplay. It's going up against Disaster Artist, Logan, Molly's Game, and Mudbound. I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty obvious lock. Yep, I agree with that. Although M- M- Mudbound probably has an outside chance at that one. That was really well done screenplay. Chalamet, I think, is probably the second second fiddle to Gary Oldman in leading role for an actor. He's been second all season. That's the thing. How, how could you predict him actually winning now? There hasn't been any, any actual wins thus far with all the different guilds, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's a very worthy second. Again, he's a, he's a, he's a young kid, so he'll be around a while. I'm yep. not up in arms about it, you know, even if I like his performance a little more. But yeah, I think Oldman's got a lockdown. Yeah, also, uh, just a side note, Atlanta's coming back this week, which I can't wait March for. March 1st. But they use a peach as their logo, and I can't look yeah. at a peach the same anymore, dude. It's they, they got to find a new logo after Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> Agreed. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Let's see. Going, going, Keep going through the Best Picture nominees. Uh, the Post was probably ninth place or eighth place with Darkest Hour, right? Yeah. So uh, The Post only had two nominations, Best Picture and Best Actress Best for Meryl Streep. Right. Uh, Meryl Streep's not going to win that, so The Post is going to go over for two. Easy money there. Darkest Hour, we mentioned Gary Oldman. He's going to win Best Actor. It's not going to win Best Picture. It's up for costume design. I don't think it'll win that, but it'll almost assuredly win Makeup and Hairstyling, a technical award, just because mm. of the physical transformation of Oldman, right? Right. So Darkest Hour right. is going to get at least two wins. Uh, Who else is up more for or less in, that, in those categories? So Makeup and Hairstyling was only three nominations. It was Darkest Hour, Victoria and Abdul, and Wonder, that Jacob Tremblay movie with Owen Wilson. Yeah. Wasn't that great of a movie. From what I've gathered. But yeah, weird category, but I mean, I think the odds of that is like one to ten. You know, like it's, you can't even make any money betting on it. Yeah, I agree. I don't really see the post or Darkest Hour making any waves. You mentioned three billboards though. How many awards do you see this actually winning? Right. So, I, I mean, if you look at the breakdown, I mean, judging off my picks, I think Calling By Your Name is going to win once, Get Out's going to win once. Mm-hmm. Darkest Hour probably wins twice. I, Tanya wins just once for House and Janney, obviously. Dunkirk probably wins two or three times in the technical categories and that's it i have ladybird winning zero times just i mean if you look at the nominations i don't think it's actually going to win anything unfortunately despite being my number one movie of the year so yeah it really comes down to three billboards versus shape of water and for my picks i actually have it as a three three split Mm. but those three wins for three billboards are best actress best supporting actor and best picture as much as i wanted to talk myself out of the best picture win i I just think it's going to be three billboards ah man so sad. I mean, I didn't I didn't actually see Three Billboards yet, and it's a movie at this point. I decided I'm just going to wait till it comes out on DVD. Right. Well, you've heard so much about it at this point that, like, you didn't get to go in <laughs> fresh like I did in November. <laughs> right. But with how much I enjoyed Call Me By Your Name, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, and Phantom Thread, the fact that The Shape of Water and Three Billboards are going to be the, the two that everybody's talking about, it just makes me so sad. Like, <laughs> those other movies are so good. Right, and that's why, like, the oh, excitement about a get out swoop in would be so, so awesome. But again, like I said, it's just, it's not going to happen, I don't think. But yeah, so three billboards in Shape of Water, I think it's kind of, I don't know, honestly, easy to see because 
Best Director and Best Picture have been splitting for a while now. I mean, last year we had Best Director to La La Land, Best Picture to Moonlight. We had The Gravity split with 12 Years a Slave for an Alfonso Cuaron one for directing. Ang Lee won Best Director for Life of Pi. Inaritu won Best Director for The Revenant when Best Picture went to Spotlight. The more conventional movie with the bigger themes has been winning Best Picture, whereas the more capital D directing movie, the more technical achievement movie, right. is winning Best Director. And Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water, a movie that's definitely simpler and has less to say than Three Billboards, regardless of the fact that Three Billboards might be saying that stuff kind of sloppily. Mm. It's just easy to see this mold working where you split the two front runners between Director and Best Picture. I mean, they've been split every year since 2013, except for the one year when Inarichi won both or Birdman. So I don't think it's going to change. And I just can't see Shape of Water winning Best Picture because it, it's just such a safe pick. Yeah, you know, you're, you're talking me into three billboards because I had Shape of Water picked. It. Man, I don't know. I, I, I so hope It's not. too close to call. Let me be clear. I right. mean, it, it, it's going to be a close vote. But also remember the SAG is the actors are the bigger voting body and they like three billboards. I think that's ultimately what decides it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Shape of Water winning just just to kind of vary it between us, but it, you really did talk me into th- three billboards. I, I want to talk about something that makes me feel a little bit more optimistic, though, because mm-hmm. I'm looking here just through the, the different categories and the one I keep, my eye just keeps coming back to is Best Cinematography. Oh, hell yeah, dog. I got to be honest, if Blade Runner doesn't win, I'm going to be pretty upset. Oh, it's winning. Roger Deakins, <laughs> 14 nominations. He's finally going to get a W. But it's such a good category. Holy yeah, no, shit. it's a great category. So Best Cinematography has only been won by the Best Picture winner three times a century. The Best Picture nomination has no bearing on this category, yep. which is obviously makes sense. So I think it's Blade Runner is the odds-on favorite for Deakins. If Shape of Water was to somehow win cinematography, that's your sign that it's going to win fucking everything. everything. Yep. Which, I mean, you have fucking Dunkirk and Mudbound, which have probably two of the most, like, striking visuals. And then you also have Blade Runner, which is just, we talked about it at length. Check it out, soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod, stay plugging. But, yeah, if Shape of Water comes out of that, I'm just going to probably turn it off at that point. Because, man, yeah, I can't You know watch, what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't w- watch that fish win, like, 13 Academy Awards. And maybe Dunkirk has a huge night with technical categories and also wins cinematography. Can't rule that out, but I think Deacons will finally win, and that would be my choice if it was up to me anyway. And he'll, I, I bet he'd actually probably give a really great speech, too. Yeah, I, think, I wish I could bet on these, but the odds are so terrible. Original song should be Remember Me, but I'm kind of worried that the Greatest Showman song, This Is Me, is going to sneak in. I think it's got it, dude. I actually yeah. circled that one because I, I, I think that that song is just a force right now. People love it. And I think the they're going to want to give something. Yeah, they're going to want to give something to Greatest Showman. It's a very like movie person's movie, if that makes sense. Like people like movies with grand and it's about show business. And I don't yeah. know. I, I could see them giving it to that. Well, yeah, one quick. So Coco's going to win animated feature oh, anyway. Yeah. So maybe people would be, they wouldn't be as mad about giving it to Greatest Showman because Coco's already going to win one anyway. Mm-hmm. So I guess that does make a little sense. I haven't seen any of these foreign films. It's kind of an interesting category because BPM, this French movie about the AIDS crisis, hmm. was surprisingly not nominated despite being beloved. And in its place, you have two movies of Body and Soul and The Insult that aren't like super well-liked. But what remains, Loveless and then The Square 
and a fantastic woman. So I think it's between a fantastic woman and the square. The square won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, but then when it came over here, it's kind of had a muted reception. Just as many people stand for it as actively dislike it. So I think the winner's going to be a fantastic woman. The lead, Daniel Vega, she's going to be presenting at the Oscars. She'll be the first transgender presenter at the Oscars. Wow, that's so awesome. I think it's a easy to see narrative that everyone can get behind. So I think a fantastic woman will win. Yeah, you know, and as I just look through this, I think the the thought I keep coming back to is they didn't really get a lot wrong. And we, we talked about that when, when the yeah. nominations came out, especially because it was, they came out, I think, right around the time the Grammys happened. We were just like, yo, Grammys suck, but Oscars actually doing a pretty good <laughs> job. And yeah, I mean, I'm looking here. I don't really have a problem with any any of these winners. I just hope I hope I hope it's varied. I hope different movies get get uh their their shine right. because they, there's so much quality it was a really great year for movies i mean the fact that a movie like good time isn't even in any of these categories i mean robert pattinson i think yeah. very easily could have been nominated for best leading actor uh, in fact he's a better pick than fucking denzel and oh, roman j israel way better but even like a category best director you have jordan peele and greta gerwig and, and you have a right. a, a film director who's from a different country you know you have Guillermo del Toro mm-hmm. so it's a very diverse and, and it, I think it just shows the way that movies are trending especially with right. where movies are at right now you have Annihilation which is probably like the most well-received critical movie since Black Panther which only came out what two weeks ago now so they're a week apart literally <laughs> yeah it has it has a female cast at the lead and then the other really well-received movie right now is a movie with an all pretty much all black cast like it's right it's a really good time for movies I think the fact that the Oscars are exemplifying that is a really good sign for this industry. Mm-hmm. I think there will be a you know variety. I mean, my my breakdown is Shape of Water three, Three Billboards three, Dunkirk three, Dark Sour two, and then one for I Tanya, Blade Runner, Get Out, and Calling by Your Name, and then obviously some others like Coco mm-hmm. and uh, the foreign films, etc. Lady Bird though, I really will be surprised if it wins anything to be honest, which sucks. You you couldn't see Laurie Metcalf beating out Allison Janney. So if you look at the acting categories, which we kind of glossed over, right. Gary Oldman will beat Chalamet in the rest. Yep. Sam Rockwell will beat Willem Dafoe in the rest. I know. Francis McDormand will unfortunately beat Saoirse Ronan in the rest. But if there's one that'll be upset, I actually think it might be Laurie Metcalf beating Allison Janney. It's two tough mom roles, but they're so different. And I think over time, we'll probably like Metcalf's performance more. Definitely. I've been saying that for a while, but I don't know. Janney's been killing it so do you really think it's going to change you know I, I think kind of what you said though when you think about the two roles and i hope that this is what the the people i voted thought about in the moment Janie's role is a much flashier role and she has much more just like moments that stick with you but as you think about the two movies laurie metcalf really is at like the heart of ladybird and saoirse ronan obviously is a force in that but laurie metcalf's performance is what drives saoirse ronan's character and you see her kind of holding this family together and Whereas Allison Janney just kind of like destruction and anger and bitterness. And I don't know. I, I'd like to reward the role that is subtle and has so many, so much more like nuance to it than I feel like Allison Janney, which is just kind of like outlandish and, and brash. Exactly. Saoirse Ronan, though, dude, I, I feel so bad for her. I saw a tweet yesterday that was like, Saoirse Ronan has been nominated for, she's been acting for more than half her life, been nominated three times for a Best Actress category, and all people are talking about is, oh my god, what's it like to be near Timothy Chalamet and like hang out with him all the time? And like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like she's kind of getting glossed over, but 
Chalamet's definitely having a moment. We're going to look back at Lady Bird and we'll see Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet and Lucas Hedges and just be like, fuck. Holy shit. Like, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, and maybe looking back and saying, I can't believe that was Greta Gerwig's first directorial role. I mean, yeah, her and Jordan Peele being nominated in their first directorial role is a fucking great sign for movies. Right. So we basically covered just about uh, every award, honestly. I mean, I don't have much to say about the documentary ones, the feature and short subject. What is your biggest upset? So my biggest upset, oh, well, one last pick. So Bish Vegetable Effects, I think, goes to War for the Planet of the Apes. Shout mm. out to Andy Circus. Over Star Wars? Yeah, I think so. Reward the mocap yeah. work he's been doing for so long. You know, mm. he's never actually won anything for it. Sure. Uh, I think that'd be great. Although Star Wars technically is a not to him too. First mocap is Snoke, technically. Uh, <laughs> oh, good point. Biggest upset. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I don't think Get Out for Best Picture is realistic. Tough. I'm, I'm pretty set on most of this. I mean, and Baby Driver winning up to three technicals, I don't know if it's that outlandish. It's just a matter of if Dunkirk holds on to it or Shape of Water fucking slaughters everything at the down ballot, you know? Right. So you don't think there's Metcalf, any I way. I don't know. Any way Willem Dafoe gets that? Supporting actor? The SAG actors love three billboards. And here's the thing. I think of the three billboard distractors, most of those distractors don't have a problem with the actors. You know, they just have a problem with the movie itself. And we kind of saw the manifest when Martin McDonough wasn't nominated for Best Director, you know? Right. And the movie won't win for a screenplay. So I just don't think the actors are going to get penalized. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a problem with Rockwell winning, to be honest. It's similar to Defoe. I think Defoe's performance is better, but... At least he's on the board because that was the only nomination for the Florida Project. What would be the the one win you would most want to see? Even no matter how improbable it is, what would you most want to see happen? I'd love to see Star Wars actually win something. I don't think it's mm-hmm. won much of anything since it was nominated for Best Picture for the very first Star Wars. Shout out John Williams. He's been nominated for Best Original Score like 46 <laughs> times. Yeah. Insane. I think Best Original Score, by the way, probably goes to Dunkirk unless Phantom Thread wins. But yeah, what I would most want to see would be Sir Ronan. Yeah, uh, I would love to see that. Logan winning adapted screenplay would make me really happy. Oh, of just course. Because I've been oh, talking oh, I know. For a while. Oh, I know. We've been saying it the whole time. We're not super into Shape of Water 3 billboards, so I'd most want to see Lady Bird win Best Picture. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think it's either Chalamet gets the upset. Sure, um, yeah. Or... Logan gets uh, the upset as well. One of those two would be on my, my, my wish list. Honestly, if there's any upset with the four acting categories, it's gonna Twitter's gonna light up because they've just been foregone conclusions for like a month, two months now. You know, hoping for it, hoping for it. But yeah, as we wrap up, just want to remind you all, if you made it this far in our podcast, that we will be going live right after the Oscars to give you all that good content giving you the recap maybe we'll do a mini one during the week next week to talk about atlanta i think we should at least mention it atlanta comes back on the first that's thursday Mm -hmm. so yeah we'll definitely be talking i mean even if we don't do it then the week after we'll talk about the first two episodes of atlanta march has a lot of movies that i want to see i think five coming up first is red sparrow new movie from jennifer lawrence that apparently is more more physical and visceral performance akin to her earlier days with winner's bone and the hunger games so i'm kind of excited to see j-law get back to the basics oh man i don't have very high hopes for that movie i heard the movie is like it's good but it's like it's got some issues but <laughs> it's also like sexy spy cold war movie right joel edgerton's in it like like i'm in you know yeah. <laughs> no yeah i feel you honestly the movie i'm most excited for i think we mentioned it last week or the week before isle of dogs i was walking out of the theater they have like a they had a big poster i was like yes give me all yeah, the wes I mean, anderson 
you know, you got Thoroughbreds and Gringo and Isle of Dogs <laughs> and Pacific Rim Uprising and Ready Player One. I'm excited for that too. That looks like a visual. A lot to see in March, and uh, that's why we have Movie Pass. Yes, Movie Pass, so fucking awesome. Well, if you have any any thoughts, tweet at us at NostalgiaPod, at Martin Swagger, at Shiny World Peace. Give us an iTunes rating and review. Follow us on YouTube and SoundCloud and anywhere else you really listen to stuff. Uh, any last thoughts, Dave, before we, we wrap up? Tweet us what you think about the awards. Are you a three billboard stan? Do you love the fish sex movie? Let us know. <laughs> Are you rooting for Shape of Water? Are you the only one? Yeah, and I think I'll probably try to tweet out some of our, our breakouts on Sunday of the movies that we have reviewed or any Oscars talk we've been doing just to try to get that out there so people are getting prepared for the 90th Oscars. You think Jimmy Kimmel's going to have a incident like last year? I'm so hoping for another mix-up. I just... <laughs> well, I mean, it's not his fault. That was PWC's no, but... incident. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I actually just watched the clip uh, the other day, and I was oh, man. He's like, Warren, what did you do? <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> he handled it very well what a fucking and, moment i still can't believe it i was i was sitting there in shock we were both sitting there in shock we were like yeah what? crazy you yeah, know it, it's like they win and like i got up to like <laughs> prepare to record yeah and then like it had like shout out justin horowitz the la land producer yeah though, like he really <laughs> made the moment with yeah. holding the thing up and no moonlight you won best picture amazing fucking amazing awesome until next week we love you peace out yeah.